Today's reading is from John chapter 5, verses 16 to 47. Because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man don't be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned by myself I can do nothing I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. 
I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if, if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? This is God's word to us for today. Over the past few weeks, we've been working through John's Gospel. We've seen that John likes to give us clues and signs about who Jesus really is. Last week we saw that the the Judeans, the, the Jews who lived in the south of Israel and in Jerusalem, understood the signs that Jesus was was giving, and he he understood them much better than than, than we do. Because of that, they decided that Jesus was claiming to be God and therefore had to be killed. If you were asked, what do you want most out of life? I wonder what you would answer. I'm going to give you 15 seconds or so to think about that. What do you want most out of life? Maybe uh, you want to turn to somebody uh, close to you and tell them, because you never know, they might have the answer for you and you might get it. In this chapter, Jesus said that John the Baptist had testified to the people that Jesus was the Son of God. He then says that if they had understood what he was doing, they would understand that it was God's work that he was doing. But they couldn't understand because they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He said that the Old Testament, their scripture, was something that they knew well. They had studied it and they learned it and they knew it, believing that in the learning and the knowing and the study, they would find life. And he said they've they've just totally misunderstood. Because it's not the words that bring life, but the Word, Him, He is the one who brings life. In our reading today, Jesus said that He only did what His Father told Him to do. And that's quite a kind of complicated idea because the Father and the Son are different and the same with the Holy Spirit. I I don't expect ever to understand the Trinity, this side of glory, and maybe not even at the other side. It's complicated. But the Jews had an understanding that God was, was alone and one. And for Jesus to come and say, he's my father, and I do what he tells me, and that claim to be God. You know, there are folk who say, Jesus never claimed to be God. He absolutely did. And they killed him for it. And he's saying, I do what my father tells me. And what he did was not based on his own human relationships and interaction. 
And we see that when, for example, he's been out, there's a big crowd, he's been teaching and healing and doing his work and his ministry, and then the disciples say, come on, let's keep that up. Let's go there, these people are desperate for you. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to these people over here. He He wasn't caught up with the fame and the adulation the way the disciples were. Later, some Greeks came and said, we want to see Jesus. And he said, no, it's not my time. He did what his father told him. So that means that when we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we see Jesus doing actually reveals the heart of his father. And Jesus says that the father and son are to be honored in the same way. He is clearly claiming to be God. And and, and verse 24 of chapter 5, It says, I tell you for certain that everyone who hears my message and has faith in the one who sent me has eternal life and will never be condemned. They have already gone from death to life. What he means is that they are so closely linked that to hear Jesus speak is the same as hearing God the Father speak. There are two steps in there. You hear the message and believe. Believe that what Jesus claims about himself and what the Bible tells us about him is true. And the outcome is that that the one who hears and believes has eternal life without condemnation and it's instant. He says they've already gone from death to life. Sometimes when when, when we're in church, we imagine that eternal life is is for when we die. This, this great life, this thing that, that's coming in the future, it's, it's, it's for then, somehow. But it's not just for then. It's for now. It's for today, and it's for all of us. One of the pictures that the Bible it gives us that before we have faith in Jesus, we are all dead, spiritually dead. And it's only believing that Jesus really is God's son that brings new life. And Jesus says that in verse 25. I tell you for certain that the time will come and is already here when all of the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who listen to it will live. Well, the Bible tells us that a day will come when eventually everybody will stand before God and they will see Jesus and they will hear his voice. That's not really what he's talking about here. He's not talking about people who are physically dead. Here he's talking about people who are spiritually dead. In other places, it's clear in the Bible that, that, that the people who don't believe in Jesus. But look what it says here. Those who do believe will live. He says that a time will come when even the physically dead will hear his voice and rise from the, uh, the dead. In verse 29, those who have lived the right way will walk out into a resurrection life and those who have lived the wrong way into resurrection judgment. So, so what, is, what does that mean? What's the right life? Those who have lived the right way. It can't simply be about being a good person, about being kind and generous and compassionate because that doesn't fit in with the idea of, of believing. It starts by hearing the story and believing in Jesus. That's when we move from death to life. A few weeks ago, we did John chapter 3, just a wee reminder from verse 16 to 18, and I'm, I'm kind of using the, the message version. 
says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his only son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. By believing, it starts with believing. And it's for anybody. Who wants a life of insignificance and failure? Is there anybody who wouldn't want a whole, fulfilling life? And then it goes on. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. You know, sadly, sometimes in churches, there are folk who like to point an accusing finger. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, then I'm sorry. That's not God's way. Says, didn't point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. See, when the world was created, everything was right. God looked at it and said, it's good. It's really, really good. But then we know that we get it wrong. That we say things and do things and think things that we, we know are wrong. And sometimes we make a list of sins and we kind of tick, tick the ones that we think are okay. We think things, things that we can get away with, actions we can get away with. Maybe the wee white lie. That's a wee white lie is okay. And, and we, they get worse and worse. And you want to avoid those ones at that end because they're really bad. And actually, that's not what sin's about. That's the outworking of sin. Sin is about not putting God first. It's about not honoring him. It's about not believing him. And we see that worked out in all sorts of other ways, in addictions and and broken relationships and all sorts of things. And that separates us from God. But John finishes here, anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. Paul puts it slightly differently in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. None of us are better than anybody else. None of us are perfect. None of us deserve God's grace. All of us, by nature, were subject to God's anger. Ah, but, ah, but, verse 4 goes on. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. And then he, he tells us that, that God is going to look at us in the future and say, look, here are these people and I poured out my grace and compassion and mercy in them. Here are the examples of how wonderful my grace is. And then he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. I wonder if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus. It doesn't need to be that way because his offer of life still applies. He is still there saying, come to me, believe in me, and receive forgiveness, a new life. I've got two favorite verses because I'm a bit greedy. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The New Testament one, John 10 and 10. Jesus talking about being a shepherd for people who act a bit like sheep. And he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers life to the full. Another more modern translation puts it this way. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, I don't know about you, but I can dream of a pretty good life. Do you know, I still haven't got my Ferrari. But in my head and in my dreams, I think, wouldn't that be good? It wouldn't be good for me at all. I suspect, that's not, I suspect why, anyway, let's not go there. It would not be good for me to have a Ferrari, right? But I can, I can imagine things. I have, I have dreams and vision. I have passion and enthusiasm for myself, for my family, for this congregation. I can look to the future and I can dream really big dreams. Do you dream about this place being filled to overflowing with people coming to worship? Well, if not, why not? But, but God can do that. What is your dream? What is your passion? What is it that excites you about life and about faith? What does it excite you about God? Because God says you can have that. Life in all its fullness. Now, does that mean everything will go swimmingly? No, it does not. But it means in the midst of the storm, there's an anchor. It means when everything's fallen in about your head, there's a rock on which we stand. And in the middle of all of that, he is there for you and for me. But he has so much more for us than that. Perhaps you absolutely disagree with all that I've said. Or you don't have enough information to decide or you've been asleep for the last 10 minutes. Each year we offer an opportunity to spend time meeting together with food. The chance to chat and to ask questions. I've mentioned it before. It's the Alpha Course. It's been run in every continent across the world. It's currently running in 169 countries 
It's available in 112 languages. It's been tried by more than 24 million people across the globe. So it's not just me making something up. It's an established way to introduce people to Jesus. You don't need to have a church connection. In fact, it's often better if you don't, because some church people think they know all the answers. But it's good. I have a little video. As a kid, I was really worried about fitting in, and it became a common theme of my life. I was really worried whether I'd have the right clothes or haircut or bag. And I loved to sing as part of a choir, but I started to think that maybe it wasn't cool and it would stop me from making friends. So I quit in the hope that it would help me to fit in. My best friend from school invited me along to Alpha, and I really wanted to know if I could experience what she had. She'd found security and identity and acceptance, and I really wanted that for myself. My parents don't go to church, but I'd grown up in a faith school, so I'd never not believed in God, but I'd never grasped that it was something that could be relevant to my life. I had a vague idea of what Alpha would be like. I knew that we would have a meal, we would talk about faith and discuss things, and that I could ask questions and say anything. By the third week of Alpha, my view of Jesus had completely changed. It blew my mind that I could be so accepted and loved, and a peace came over me like I've never experienced. It gave me the information I needed to make an informed decision about what I thought about my faith, while giving me the space and freedom to ask questions about the things I didn't understand or didn't agree with. Since trying Alpha, I've invited some of my friends to come along and try it for themselves. It's a great opportunity to meet new people, to learn more, and to just work out what you really think. Knowing the love of Jesus and belonging to a church helped me to get to grips with my faith really quickly and I started to explore what God wanted me to do with my life. I started applying for PhDs after university but I realised that I have a heart for the people here in Wales and the local community had developed a real passion for it. So now I work in the estates here and serving local needs in the town that I grew up. With the local church, we run cooking projects with children and their families. We work with local primary schools and we run sports clubs. We also run Alpha Youth with our youth group. And we've seen that have a massive impact on the young people in the area. Wales is the land of song, and after giving up singing all those years ago, now I lead worship in my church, at conferences, in local primary schools and assemblies. Through Alpha, I met Jesus and my whole life changed. I found peace and it developed a real love for my local community. I want more people to have the chance to go on the same kind of journey that I went on. Beth wanted security, identity and acceptance. And she realised her friend had that in a way that she didn't. That friend took a chance, invited her along... And Beth's life was changed. Is there someone you might invite along and see their life changed? 
Beth said, I met Jesus and my whole life was different. Although the people in his day didn't believe in him, Jesus was telling the truth and his offer of life, as good as it can be, is still open for all of us. In a few minutes, the service, it will be over. But if you would like to talk to someone or to have someone pray for you, then if you head over to that corner over there, um, we have uh, folks there who will be very happy to pray for you.